David Scubin, when it comes to the sensitive sacred and our our loss of it, our recovery of it, the, the things that we lost along the way, what are some things that come to mind for you, especially that may be unique to your Catholic experience in the Archdiocese of Edmonton, Canada? So I think that, you know, when we, when we lose a sense of, of discipline uh, in, in, uh, in our spiritual life, and that goes especially with our sacraments, if we start to, to drift away, not only from going to Mass every Sunday, but also going to communion or, or attending Mass and uh, receiving the Eucharist worthily, going to reconciliation and, and confession often. But uh, those, are, those are all very important things when it comes to, to the order, right order of things. But when it comes to something like even solemnities and the days of obligation, holy days of obligation, something in Canada, it's not just in our archdiocese, but also just uh, across the nation, is that we've really lost a sense of celebration in our church, something that's, that's exciting and uh, that we can worship together as a community. And we only have two days of holy obligation here. That's Christmas Day and, of course, a great Marian feast day of January 1st. But outside of that, we're pretty much exempt from anything that uh, would have to do with celebration in the Catholic Church and in our liturgy. So uh, something like that, it's uh, it's so important that we, especially with our families, especially with kids or grandkids, is to bring that sense of celebration and the importance of the sacramental life and then worshiping as a community and bringing everybody together. And it has, has to do with the right order. And if we have a right order in our spiritual lives, uh, in our communities, hopefully that's going to translate well into having a spiritual lives in our own individual lives as well, having that spiritual time of prayer and service. And of course, uh, uh, living out our vocation inside the church and serving our community better. And when you think of, in context of structure and discipline and order, what are some things that come to mind in the sense of the family? Because you're a father, you're a husband. So how does that, the life of the church and the life of the family, how do they marry in that regard? You know, when I was growing up, I, my mom and dad were very, uh, very faithful Catholics, really loved the Lord and put a, a great deal of stock into devotion, but also in, in order. And I think that has to do with... Uh, even the temporal life, and we grew up on a farm, so there were times that you had to to get up and uh, get up early, do your chores, uh, because the animals that we fed and sustained our lives depended on that. You know, you had to feed the chickens, you had to feed the cows, and uh, it was a real important part of our of our life um, and our vocation as, as farmers. And mom and dad always taught me that that there was a right order to everything. You woke up at a certain time, you do your chores. You know, usually you'd have a little bit of prayer time before or after, but it was always important that we spent time with scripture or with the catechism of the Catholic Church. And uh, we always prayed the rosary. That was something that was really important to our family. We always schedule it right after supper. And if there was anything that uh, would have to happen, you know, whether that was uh, something I was involved with sports or some other activity, we made sure we were scheduling those extra activities around our prayer time. And it was so important. And once it just becomes a habit, it's it's an, it's something that you just do and you, you learn to love. Same thing with confession too. That was one of my best memories of when I was uh, when I was younger is that mom and dad and myself, I had older siblings, so they were already out of the house by then, but the three of us would go to confession together. We'd go, we'd pick a night, uh, we'd go usually on Saturdays and we'd all go. So it was really powerful 
to see my mom and dad go to confession as well with me. Because at that time, then you realize, yeah, they're mom and dad, but they're also your brothers and sisters in Christ. And they need Jesus's, you know, his help, the sacrament of healing. They need to be living in a state of grace as well. And they put a lot of importance on that. And then sometimes we'd go out for dinner or we go out for ice cream or something. And as you're young, of course, you're like, oh, I'm 80% there for the ice cream and 20% there for confession. But if you make it a part of your everyday life, and if it's something that living in a state of grace is a part of your daily life, it just becomes who you are. And eventually that starts to switch. So when you become an adult, then you realize, oh, I don't need to go for ice cream or go out for dinner every time I go to confession. I'm going to confession because I need it in order to be the kind of Catholic and the kind of lover of Jesus Christ that I need to be and the kind of witness that I need to be for Jesus. So those things are, that happen in order, if we have that order in our own individual lives and in our family lives and encourage that within, that's going to translate very well into the greater community because they can see that. They can see that hope that lives within us and they can only see it if we're living in a state of grace. In the liturgy, the liturgy is trying to, has this repetition, has this rhythm, this is pedagogical in that sense. Like we go to school and we start off in kindergarten and then first grade and we progress through. And I think the student in those earlier grades, they're starting to understand the rhythm of school, when to sit down, when to stand, when to put the pencils up, when to take notebooks out. And the early, the teachers in the early grades, what they're doing, they're forming them how to be students. And I think the liturgy is doing the same way, this formation, like how to worship through this repetition every Sunday. And, and I see how you you connected that with the family. The family picks up on that, or maybe it's really the foundation of that rhythm and repeti- rep- repetition of, of doing the rosary, as you said, and even tending to the animals. It's that, that structure that that you said carries on through the, to, through the rest of your life. And so I, I was wondering if you can dig more into what you had opened up with in your diocese and perhaps some of the dioceses around you as well, how they aren't asking for much as far as you to order your life around the life of the church, how you, they're not asking really for you to order your life, but liturgically, you know, with, with the seasons, you know, they're just moving things to Sundays and it's not really demanding much of you. So how does that affect you? Would it would affect the person in the spiritual life, David, if, if the church isn't really demanding much of you to live your life liturgically, how will that affect your sense of the sacred? You know, I was thinking too about the foundations of our faith and having good habits. And to use a sporting analogy, because I know you and I are both sports fans, but every time I've coached, especially baseball is a game that I like to coach. Usually at the beginning of the season, we always try to kind of say, what's your mechanics when it comes to throwing the ball, catching the ball, hitting the ball? Well, you know, these are the basic tenets of playing baseball. But in order to be a champion, you've got to get those right. You've got to have structure and you've got to have that foundation. So my goal for my kids is by halfway through to three quarters of the season, we should all have the same batting stance. We should all have a very similar arm angle. And we should all look very similar when we're out in the field. So even when we're ready to, to say, walk in with a pitch, if you know what that means, a lot of our baseball fans would know what that means. As soon as the, the pitcher starts to wind up, you should be taking at least a step or two in. Everybody should be doing that. We should all be in in unison doing that. Um, the foundation is so important for us in order to, if we can get that right, then we can build on top of that. We can really build to be champions on the baseball field and we can be 
champions in the spiritual life too, which is what God's calling us to be saints. So we've got to get those basics right. And I think people want a challenge. You know, children want a challenge. You know, we've got kids, David. A lot of the listeners have lots of kids. Kids want to be challenged. They want to have order. They want to have structure. Yeah, there's going to be some pushback. No different than coaching a sports team. We got our athletes that push back when they get challenged a little bit. But at the end of the day, they do know that it's better for them. And especially when they start to see the improvements, boy, that's great. It's always really nice to see that. And in a lot of ways, it's consoling for them too. It's, it's a sense of consolation to say, yeah, maybe I am going down the right path. And it's really good to see. And there's no different for us in the spiritual life when we have our leaders. And uh, God bless them, because I know that it's not an easy job. But we also want to be challenged in our faith. We want to go that extra mile to fulfill our vocations, to go grow closer to Christ and to see the, the fruits of having a great relationship with Jesus, a right relationship with Jesus, translate into our communities as well. So whenever we say, hey, you know, if we've got uh, the feast day of the, uh, the Assumption of Mary, well, we encourage you to go to Mass that day and celebrate it as a Marian feast day, but you don't have to go. You still, the, the feast day itself is going to be moved to the, the closest Sunday, like we do in a lot of instances in Canada. Um, I don't think that's really what is going to grow our church. That's not going to, that's not that lack of a, of a challenge or initiative to be better in our faith, to grow in our faith. We really need that challenge in order to, to grow. So these are things that in our own family, we just have to make that decision to say, okay, well, we know the feast days. We know the important dates in the Catholic church universally. We know what those dates are. Let's follow them as a family and let's encourage our friends and our parishioners to do the exact same thing. So, you know, when it comes to the to, to liturgy, then we can see, hey, if we're being consistent in our spiritual lives, whether that's participating in the sacramental lives, taking part in these special feast days, hopefully our liturgy is going to be consistent too, so that we can have that uniformity that universal church is called to. So I would say that, you know, through a lot of prayer, and discernment, that's probably the thing that, that we need to really strive for the most is having that order and that foundation so that we can grow and become the, the people that Jesus really wants us to be. And so it sounds like what I'm hearing a lot from you, David, is in, in the spiritual life, the the principle of just being disciplined and and how discipline just doesn't happen overnight. Discipline is something that, that happens through through effort, whether it's prayer, whether it's fasting, whether it's just doing the same good habits over and over again, pursuing the good virtues consistently, just that that discipline. Um, but when I look at the world, though, David, uh, I don't see a whole lot of discipline. I see a lot of people addicted to bad habits, people who are addicted to not following the good virtues. Um, there's a lot of pornography addiction. There's there's high suicide rates and people may say, well, suicide connected to people not being disciplined. Well, um, what, you know, what suicide is, it's a loss of hope, you know, it's despair. And so, um, and so the reason that we hope is because we've been disciplined to hope in something good, right? So if we, if we don't have discipline to hope in something good then we can fall into despair. And there, there's a lot of that drug addiction um, a lot of people, at least the south of our border, you know, they're they're coming from countries that 
have just fallen into disrepair due to breakdowns of society, lack of education. Just I, David, I just don't see discipline anywhere. So, and I was wondering if you could comment, like, how did we get to this point in so many parts of the world where I don't think it was so much the case, you know, you know, 50, 100 years ago? How do you, what would you say? How do we lose the that sense of we should be a disciplined type of people? You know, discipline and structure and foundation, those are gifts that the Catholic Church can give to the world if we choose to do that, right? I really think that that's important. I went to um, uh, Slovakia when I was 11 years old. So this is in the 90s. That's where uh, my, my mom and dad's siblings are from. And I still remember at 12 noon, the bells of the, the town would ring and everybody would stop what they were doing and they would pray the Angelus. I thought it was beautiful. It was fantastic. But it was an example of discipline. And, you know, it was so casual, David, right? Everybody just stopped. Like there was the, the town we were in was a real kind of an agriculture community. It was very a lot of farmers. Everybody, everybody had chickens. Every, you know, they could afford it. They had cows, right? They were doing something, feeding their animals. They just stopped. They just stopped and they would pray. And then they would just carry on like, you know, the three, four minutes it takes to pray the Angelus. And they would they would just move on, right? I think that when you, when you lose sense of the sacred and that there is something there's something else when it comes to eternity there's something there's an afterlife there's a heaven and if we lose that uh, uh the sight of that that's uh, puts us in a really bad spot i was just reading a an article recently about ceos and they were saying that when they retire they have nothing to do it's like okay now we're you know we've got our yacht we've got our golf membership we've got all the money we can ever spend now what and that's kind of the great question of the world is like, now what? And when you're not, you know, keeping yourself not busy, but occupied, you know, it's like the, uh, the stages of, of spiritual life that a lot of our saints say, you know, it's, uh, it's work, it's prayer, you know, it's reading. And then it's just, just repeat, right? Just don't be idle. Keep moving forward towards the goal. And I think it's such a great gift that we have in the church. You know, even if we go to a funeral, we know that there's hope that we're going to see that person again. We're going to pray for their souls assuming they're in purgatory and trust in the mercy of God that they're going to be in heaven. And we're going to see them again someday, but there's always something we can work towards. And that's why it's so important. We don't have idle hands, especially for, for men and for, for young people. And right now it just seems like everything's so convenient, right, David, you know, when I thinking about, um, you know, even just life on the farm, you know, we, occasionally we would butcher our own animals, you know, our, our, our beef, or we'd have a neighbor do that. Well, it takes a long time. You see that process from when, you know, you have your, your young livestock, your cattle when they're born, right to the point where they're, they're ready to, you know, to butcher and you can have meat. It takes a couple of years. Same with chickens. It's a little less uh, of time, but, you know, now we just can go down to the, the local fast food and just, uh, you know, grab a, a, grab a sandwich, right? It's so easy and so convenient that way. And I think that that convenience it's just, it's, um, you know, that sense of uh, really being focused on uh, the process, the process and the structure. When we, when we lose that, we become kind of loose in our spiritual lives and things can go off the rails really quickly. So, um, you know, that's, that's how I kind of look at it when I, when I see young people and I see, you know, especially men around my age, when they don't have something to work towards and they've got the money, they've got the career, but they know that there's something else. And the question is, you know, what now, 
well, what now is to have that prayer life, to have that structure, to grow in a walk with Jesus and knowing that there is heaven and it's something that we've got to work towards. And by the grace of God, we will get there. So, um, so that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, it's sad to see that there isn't that same, I guess, attention to structure as we would see in, in our world. And I think that's why we see so much, uh, so many issues with anxiety. Uh, you know, uh, youth suicide is up, especially here in Canada. It's, it's definitely become a serious issue and people are losing hope. I wanted to ask you as well about the things that we may have lost along the way. I was thinking when you were speaking, I was thinking about here in Germany, how every Catholic holiday people have off. Like today is the feast of the solemnity of the Assumption of Blessed Mother Mary, and they're not at work. All the stores are closed. Every every mm. holiday is it's like this. But if you ask, you know, a young German, what's today? Um, they really cannot they cannot articulate for you what the assumption is. They know it's a holiday. They don't have to go to work or don't get paid. They're, they'll get paid for it. And so, and I also was thinking about the, the times I've visit, visited, visited Montreal and I've I seen just the beautiful churches, the, the, all the streets named after a saint, saints I never heard of, but every street's named after a saint. And so I was looking at, so the role, thinking about things that we've lost along the way. I, so I'm saying this to say that perhaps there was a time when government and the Catholic faith was more aligned and so they would they would have these holidays they would have these these street names they would they would help form a society that was helpful to catholics pursuing this, the sacred right they they would have they would set aside these days or these streets for us to know that there was something greater than us but now david we look at a lot of governments in western society and they seem kind of hostile to to the catholic faith it's Things have changed quite a bit. So how ought you think Catholics, how can we, is, do you think there's a way we can influence again that public sector, that government sector to take that environment for us again? Or do you think we just arrived at a point where we have to go a different way I think that's the thing that a lot of Catholics are discerning right now. You know, it's things have gotten so bad in the world that you're just like, you know, what, what can we do to, to turn the tide? You know, it's, um, I think that access to Catholicism, to the teachings of the Catholic church, the lives of the saints, scripture itself, they've never been more readily available than they have been today. You know, uh, even I think about some of the, the, um, you know, the, the charitable and friendly debates I used to have with some of our separated Protestant uh, brothers and sisters back when I was uh, a young adult. And I'd still have to, you know, get my apologetics books out. I'd have to flip through them. Or if I highlighted something, I could find it. Well, now if we have those discussions, David, I mean, it's right on our phone, right? I mean, we can, we can find information within a few seconds. I think in Canada, and I, I think this is the, this is the saddest part of, of, of everything in Catholicism, because Canada is really, when you think about it, it's one of the few nations, maybe the only nation that was really rooted in Catholicism. It's really a Catholic country. And even the United States, even though it's such a great history of Catholicism, there are a lot of, a lot of great Catholics have come out. The, the influence of Catholicism today is still uh, very, very much alive 
in the world. And I think that that's something that we should be grateful for. And I think that, uh, I know you live on the other side of the pond now, but I think a lot of European countries that used to be real Catholic look to uh, the United States for leadership. And that's why when we see, uh, you know, examples of scandal or bad example, it makes it even worse, right? Because we are expecting uh, something a little bit more from us Catholics here in the West. I'd say that Canada, at the end of the day, we've just, we've, we just have it too easy. Now I can kind of speak for myself too. It takes a lot of work, sometimes a lot of focus. And we talk about that structure and the foundation to stay close to Christ. You can forget about him. And you can forget about your relationship with the church when things are going really well. The glory days of the Catholic Church in Canada was, uh, wasn't very long ago, but it was in the last 50 to 100 years. And that's because we went through World War I. World War II, both, uh, you know, terrible wars that, uh, you know, was a massive loss of humanity throughout the world. But in Canada, there was a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of guys died, a lot of soldiers died. There was that, that fear that there's, that death was really right around the corner. And there was always that fear of an invasion that the war, either war, especially World War II would come to our shores. So I think people relied on Jesus more. They relied on the church. Uh, and it's not even just the wars, even uh, something like the Great Depression uh, was a real scary time in a lot of uh, places here in North America. Same with the Spanish flu, you know, after World War One, a lot of people passed away. So it seemed like death was always knocking on the door and you never really were in the clear. So you had to stay close to Jesus because you just never knew when your time was going to come. But now with all the distractions in the world, we are a wealthy country. You know, in Canada, we always have these debates, it seems, with political talking heads saying, oh, you know, we have so many people that live in poverty or they can't afford this, and they can't afford that. And while I certainly feel for people that can't afford maybe certain items of food, for sure, that's definitely a concern if you're that poor or destitute. But when it comes to um, the kind of country that we have, what our definition of poverty and being poor from physical and monetary things Compare that to other places in the world. We actually have it very good. We actually have social programs that can help people out if they really need to. You know, nobody should be dying on the streets or starving. We have a lot of different options and programs. So, and I'm not saying that for folks that are that are in those situations, that's not really the example that I want to point to, but I'm just saying for other people in Canada, we just have it so good. It's so convenient. And it's easy to forget Jesus when you have so much. And it's easy to forget when you're a Catholic, and then when we forget those things as Catholics, then we can't be that example to other people because at the end of the day, everybody's going to be checking out. Everybody's going to die and have that exit interview. And in between, there's going to be a lot of places that you're going to need the church. You're going to need Jesus. We all have times of suffering and uh, where we need Jesus in our lives. We need the support of our communities, especially from people that believe in Christ, so that we can give that hope to them. But if we're not prepared, if we're not living a sacramental life, we're not well-versed in our catechesis and understanding of the Catholic Church and how Jesus can help others, then we really can't be that light to other people. So they're going to go and take other directions and do other things to fulfill that. And, uh, hey, we've seen that in the last couple of years where, you know, attempts for truth and reconciliation, I guess, is what... Kind of the, the new two go words have been the last couple of years in Canada and probably some other places in North America. Well, it's pretty hard to do it when it's when Jesus is totally, um, you know, not even considered. 
when it comes to reconciling or finding truth. And uh, without Christ and the cross and without the influence of the church, we can see that the world gets to be a pretty scary place, pretty violent place and a, a very sad place. And um, so in Canada, we've lost a lot. What can we do to get it back? It's hard to say, but I know we can control our own individual lives first and foremost. And maybe that's where it starts. It starts with our families and, um, you know, individually, us living in that state of grace, that sacramental life, and then having our families do the same thing. That's the only thing I can think of, because I think if you think about the whole, um, all of our culture and our society, and you think, man, this is overwhelming. Things are not going very well, right? You can be overwhelmed yourself and then you can forget that really the most important thing is you need to to be in that right relationship with Christ. And I wanted to return back to the beginning of your talk. You're talking about discipline and, and order and structure that you learned. And I, and we all should recognize the fact that when we're born naturally, that's not a choice of ours. And if we die naturally, that's not a choice of ours either. Both of those points, the beginning and the end, belong to him who is the Alpha and Omega. You know, he who's the Alpha and Omega is also the Alpha and Omega of our life. That's how it just naturally is. But in between that beginning and that end, I heard you talk a lot about the choices that we can make. Right. And so I wonder if you can like tell the students between those two points. Um, what have you found in your life that were the most important things that if you had to, if you somehow got an opportunity to start to in the end again, you know, what were those, what, what were those same things that, that you would focus on in, this, in regards to the pursuit of the sacred in your relationship with um, the Holy Trinity? You know, I think that the times that I, I look back and I, and I was away from Christ was that, um, that I didn't have structure in my life. It was the times when I thought I could do things by myself, where I thought that even when I fell into certain sins, that they were too big for Jesus to forgive. And, uh, and I would just, uh, harbor them and hold on to them and, and not confess them and not address them. Um, I think that community is so important as well especially when we're when we're uh, when we're young and we're kind of in those formative years of discerning what our vocation is going to be you know we all have to ask that question when we're you know teenagers and young adults as to what direction does god want me to go in my life and it's so important for us to to pray for the virtues but also to pray that we can find other people to support us in the journey and so that um you know, you think of the, the gifts of the Spirit and, and uh, when we receive them, especially at confirmation, we need somebody to kind of something or someone to help stir that in our souls so that it can be something that we can realize in our own lives, but also share it with others as well. So I think of, of um, something like purity, for example, is a struggle for almost everybody. <laughs> it's a, probably everybody in some way, shape or form. But purity is not just in in action, but it's also in what we see, how we speak, um, you know, and, and just training ourselves and having that discipline and foundation and that structure to avoid near occasions of sin, to be away from bad company 
And I think this is all applicable to today, but I know that I wish that I had, I shouldn't say I wish because I think God allows certain things to happen so that later in your life, you can recount them and help others in their journey. But when I was younger, I didn't fortify myself with the help of a community, community of other young men or other young people, or even just members of my family that I really trusted and loved a lot. Um, but now as I get older, I realize that, you know, uh, just like any kind of virtue, you need to pursue it. You need to ask God for the grace to, uh, to, um, to improve, to receive it, and then for it to manifest. So something like purity is something that is, again, it's not just making sure that you, um, you look at members of the opposite sex with, uh, with chastity, but it's also in how you speak too. It might even be uh, the words that you speak to other people, the jokes that you say, the company that you that you hang around with, right? I think it was Don Bosco that says, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. You know, give me your top five friends, right? And uh, that should give us some pause of who we're around. And it's also one of those things too that when uh, that question is asked to someone else and you're in that top five uh, friends list, you know, what kind of person are you? What kind of a support are you to others as well? You know, if somebody said, hey, this is my friend, and then you explain, uh, you know, what your spiritual life is like and what kind of an influence you've been. Well, hopefully you've been a positive and holy influence on those people as well. David Skuban, thank you for this catechesis and instruction on returning to the sacred. You're welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you.